Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. If you restrict too much, it's going to have this trickle effect to your metabolism, your thyroid function, your sex hormone production. All of that will be slowed down. So your metabolism will be slowed. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with the click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. All right. Today on The Less Stress Life, we have Casey Farlow, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in hormone balance and taking a holistic approach to weight loss. Casey is passionate about getting women off the restrictive diet roller coaster that is leaving so many women feeling fatigued, brain fogged, and like they're barely getting by. She focuses on weight loss from a holistic perspective, incorporating aspects of gut health, hormone balance, genetic analysis, and neuroplasticity to boost metabolism and help women feel their best physically, mentally, and spiritually. Welcome, Casey. 
Hi, Krista. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I have been such a fan of your podcast well, for many I, years. I think since you started. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy sure. to have you come talk on and chat about topics that are like such big buzzwords, but yeah. that some of us don't you know, necessarily want to touch as practitioners, right? I, you, sure. I mean, wouldn't you say there is a growing number? Well, let's just back up. Dietitians have been pigeonholed to weight loss for years. And so a Mm -hmm. lot of people are like, I just do not enjoy doing that work, but not Casey. She's over here like, send them to me, send them to me. (laughs) Here we are. And I would love to talk about, we talked quite a bit offline, but I'd like to hear about how kind of you decided, which is kind of funny, right? Like how did you Mm. decide you wanted to do weight loss? You know, people are like, what? You're a dietitian. Like, no, but you know, weight loss to me is a secondary thing. Right. And so talk to us about like why you decided to say hormones and weight loss. This is going to be my jam now. Um, And if you want, I'd love to even hear a little bit about in addition, your personal story, because this isn't where you started. You were actually doing some other heavier stuff and you kind of decided, you know what? I think I'd like to switch the people that I like to help. So if you want to share a little bit of that, that'd be cool too. Yeah. So I've been in functional medicine for you know about five years now, which is really wild. And one of the issues I was seeing was so many women were coming to me on that restrictive diet roller coaster. And I was kind of, you know, during that time, the intuitive eating movement was so big. And I was part of that, right? I believed in intuitive eating. I thought, you know, if you just listen to your body's cues and signals, you'll be able to intake the right amount and have a healthy body weight. But one of the issues was women were able to trust their body because their hunger and their fullness cues were completely inaccurate. Because if you have, you know, leptin resistance and insulin resistance, it's really hard to listen to those hunger cues. So I was noticing there was kind of this gap in dietetic care where there were no dietitians really focusing on that weight loss piece, giving women an option to not be severely restricted. I mean, my doctor in Austin was recommending ideal protein to patients, putting them on 1200 calorie diets, creating metabolic mayhem in their patients, right? And women were just left like, this is the only option. I have to severely restrict. And then what happens? They gain even more weight when they get off of the diet, right? So I wanted to provide this other outlet of teaching women how to do this the right way how to be in a calorie restriction that's the right calorie restriction without creating hormone issues, fatigue, brain fog, all of these issues that happen if you severely restrict your calories and make you know your metabolism just tank, which is going to affect all of your sex hormones and make you feel horrible, right? So I wanted to provide this option of weight loss where you do it the right way. You learn how to be in the right calorie deficit, but also support your hormone health Do you keep your metabolism healthy and you feel really good in the process, right? So, you know, I have my clients do symptom surveys where we not only keep track of their weight, but we also keep track of their symptoms. Because at the end of the day, I care about your quality of life. I care about you being able to show up in the world as your best self, right? Not just about looking at the scale and seeing 10 pounds off, right? Although Mm -hmm. that's great and it can be helpful and reducing body fat can be really helpful for hormone balance, because we know that, you know, adipose tissue is an endocrine organ and it produces pro-inflammatory cytokines and it even produces estrogen and testosterone. So it can create or exasperate estrogen dominance and PCOS. Not something that we really talk about 
but it it's just a fact, right? I mean, we have plenty of research to support that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, if your body fat is too little, then you're not producing enough estrogen and that causes, you know, the opposite issue in hormone imbalance and losing your period and things like that. I was just going to say, so like, I'm sure things that you're saying are, is music to people's ears, but like where, if the options are not what they've been told forever, right. Mm. This severe restriction and then them kind of jumping into this, like almost a metabolic mayhem, as you called right. it, like, where can they start instead? Let's start there. Cause that's the first place my brain goes is like, mm-hmm. okay, how do you help people reset this? Yeah. So the first thing is balancing blood sugar, right? I mean, that has influences on your hunger and your fullness hormones. That has influences on your cravings, you know, helps balance all of your sex hormones to get you feeling better. Inflammation is another big one. You're going to retain fluid if you're inflamed. It's going to affect your insulin sensitivity and all of your hunger and fullness cues. Healing your gut. I mean, we know that plays big. There's so many hormones that are created in your gut that help you balance blood sugar, help with fullness cues the whole shabam, right? Mm -hmm. And then also learning how to balance your nervous system, which we're going to talk about later, but learning how to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system is also going to help that emotional eating, your hunger and your fullness hormones, and your cortisol levels, which play into blood sugar, inflammation, and all of your sex hormones, right? So starting there... I mean, that's not really start, starting there. That's a lot of things to start with. But also being in a slight calorie deficit and learning how to do that is really important. So I set my clients up for a half a pound to a pound a week, which many people are like, wait, that's really slow. I want to lose 10 pounds in a week. It's like the research shows us that the slower you lose weight, the better. But you're also going to be helping your metabolism. It's almost like tricking your body into not thinking you're in a calorie restriction and having it compensate by slowing down your thyroid and everything else. That's probably a good thing for us to stop and talk about right there. Sure, sure. Because I don't think that that is necessarily getting any airtime. I don't feel like when you're looking for weight loss, usually what you're already experiencing, like you may already have some thyroid issues, but talk about how like being in this calorie deficit, what it's actually doing to hormones and how like chasing weight loss can be very detrimental to hormones. I mean, I think you said it in some different ways, but like essentially what's going on. Yeah. So when you're in a severe calorie restriction, your body will compensate. So when I say compensate, it's doing something in your favor. It wants you to survive. So when we were hunters and gatherers, when we weren't able to get food source, our body would slow down our thyroid function. Our body would slow down our sex hormone production in effort to you know, reserve energy, right? It's just an evolutionary mechanism. So a lot of like women with eating disorders will have thyroid dysfunction because it's their body trying to slow down their metabolism in effort to protect them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you restrict too much it's going to have this trickle effect to your metabolism, your thyroid function, your sex hormone production. All of that will be slowed down. So your metabolism will be slowed, right? Mm -hmm. An effort to protect you. Yeah. So thyroid function is really big when it comes to weight loss. And again, if you're in that calorie deficit, that's too much. It's going to slow down thyroid function. Mm -hmm. So you can't talk about, we can't talk about weight loss almost without talking about hormones is kind of what I'm gathering from you, the way you've like linked it in so many different areas, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's so huge for your metabolism, but not just your metabolism, but your mental health, which plays into your cravings, right? I mean, we have specific hormones that relate to those cravings as well, like neuropeptide Y, which people don't really talk about. That's produced by your nervous system and that can influence cravings as well. So yeah, we have to talk about you know hormones. You can't exclude hormones from the weight loss picture. It has to be foundational in my opinion. Well, before you went toward, you before you said, I'm going to do weight loss and hormones. That's what I'm going to mm-hmm. work with now. You mm-hmm. were kind of working in the neurology space and mm-hmm. that sort of, and that was, was that a personal history a little bit for you as well? I think you said you had a vista, mm-hmm. you were telling me offline, you had an issue that kind of helped ignite your interest in some of the neuroplasticity work, but let's start with just like in neurology first. Was that mm-hmm. partially like your own story that got you started on that? And then let's get into this neuroplasticity in weight loss journey stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with a vestibular disorder. And from there, I really had to do a deep dive in the literature of how to heal this thing and kind of reach out to the experts in vestibular issues. And, you know, I learned about neuroplasticity through that. But when I was practicing neuroplasticity, I started to realize that everything else in my life was improving. My own thyroid issue was improving. My adrenals were improving. My gut health was improving. And so I started to apply this to clients and I was noticing like the turnaround in their symptoms being so much faster than any supplement I could put them on, any nutrition intervention. Like there is something to this. And I really have neuroplasticity as the foundation of my program because I do believe it is the foundation of hormone health in gut health for that matter as well. If your body is in fight or flight, it is not going to divert resources to properly digest your food or to properly make hormones. It's just trying to keep you alive, right? And I I truly believe that 99% of us are in sympathetic nervous system, like 99% of the time, Mm -hmm. um, just given our modern environment. We're in traffic, we're around screens, there's constant go, go, go. And the pushing through of American culture of you know trying to make money. And I know you experience this in private practice. It's like there's always something that needs to be done, right? And you know, so many people are chronically stressed and we're seeing more and more of these chronic symptoms kind of coming about, like the adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction, which really affects all of your sex hormones and your ability to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just has to be at the forefront of our minds when we talk about weight loss and hormones is getting your nervous system right because everything else will follow, right? Your symptoms will get better. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, let's back up and talk about, can you define what neuroplasticity is for someone? Because maybe this is a word that we've heard before, Mm -hmm. but let's define what it is and what it looks like. Yeah. So it's this idea that, you know, neurons that wire together or fire together, wire together. So the more you can fire specific neurons, the more you're going to build those pathways in your nervous system and in your brain, right? So I kind of use this intertwined with, you know, switching your nervous system into that parasympathetic as well. That's part of it. So the more that we switch into that parasympathetic, the more it will become our natural state, right? Instead of that fight or flight sympathetic. So we have to practice moving our nervous system and moving those neurons in the right direction. Because if we spend more time in that healing space, that parasympathetic, your gut health is going to be better. You're going to better absorb your nutrients. Your adrenal health is going to be better, which is going to affect 
you know, your estrogen, testosterone, your insulin, everything will follow from there. And your ability to lose weight. Like I had one client that I remember she gained like six pounds in a week and it was a very stressful week. And we made a goal around neuroplasticity for the last week. And that was the forefront. And the next week, like all the water was just shed. I mean, it was obviously water retention from cortisol. And the next week, I mean, her weight dramatically decreased because she let go of all that fluid that her body was holding on because of inflammation and cortisol. So it can be, you know, really valuable in terms of weight loss too, but also just how you feel in general. But yeah, so that neuroplasticity is really about just moving your nervous system into that parasympathetic and firing those more positive neurons within your brain to create more of those pathways instead of those, you know, fear-based, anxiety-based pathways. We're trying to move away from that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I like to call this kind of the autopilot. You know, when you remember when you can drive to work or drive to school and you don't even have to think about it because those are the neural pathways that you've kind of laid. You've done this again and again. And so, in a similar way, if we've kind of like been bombarded by stress or negativity or whatever we are around all of the time, that's kind of how we're wiring. And this is where if you know, you said this in different ways, but like if we're filling our cup with gratitude, with positivity, with different things, there's like, we're now changing like everything from the top to the bottom. I'm just talking about like how I, I always call this autopilot driving around on autopilot type thing. So no, um, that's exactly, you're exactly right. And there's actually research on like just listing four things you're grateful for in the morning can shift your biology. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have research to support this and it can happen very quickly. Right. I mean, just doing it a few times a week can have major impacts on your hormones and your metabolism because it's all connected. Right. Right. Totally. On that note, we've talked about hormones and gut health and affecting metabolism, mm-hmm. but you've kind of like glazed over it quickly and lightly. And so let's mm-hmm. jump in a little bit. Let's do a little bit more of a deep dive. And by the way, I loved the story about the woman that had a really stressful week and was retaining water weight due to cortisol. Mm-hmm. But so tell us a little bit more about like hormones and gut health affecting metabolism very specifically. Yeah, sure. So let's start with insulin. So, you know, insulin affects how glucose is taken up by your cell. So if you're insulin resistant, and glucose isn't able to get into your cell, then your cells are essentially starving. And this sets up a cascade of telling your brain, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and not really getting those right satiety cues, right? So that affects you know, how many calories you're burning, but also how you're craving specific foods, right? If your cells are not getting those glucose, that glucose to go in, again, it's sending that signal to your brain that help, like I'm not getting the nutrition I'm supposed to be getting feed me more. And one of the things I often see with women is leptin resistance as well. So I don't know if you're familiar with leptin. It's essentially your fullness hormone. And you can become leptin resistant where your body stops responding to the leptin. So you've been producing a lot of that fullness hormone. And then all of a sudden, just like insulin resistance, your body becomes resistant to that leptin signal. And so you're not having those same fullness signals that you should be. And this is where intuitive eating kind of missed the mark, right? Because intuitive eating, the basis of intuitive eating is listening to your hunger and your fullness cues. But it's like, what if you're insulin resistant? And what if you're leptin resistant? You're not having those proper fullness cues that you should be, right? 
And I don't really feel like that's talked about very often in terms of, you know, being able to listen into those cues. So we first have to target the insulin resistance and leptin resistance. And there's many nutrition lifestyle factors that can help with those things. And then, you know, your gut health. So if you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, you're not going to be detoxifying estrogen appropriately, which can create estrogen dominance which affects body composition where you're holding on to fat and your ability to burn calories as well. So being in a calorie restriction is not going to be enough, right? I mean, it's going to add more bang to your buck if we also balance that insulin, leptin, estrogen, and then, you know, your other sex hormones and cortisol are, is a big one too. So cortisol also affects how your body weight is distributed. So you'll often see weight in the belly area and the hips for cortisol. And cortisol also affects insulin, right? So there's always these cascade and your sex hormones, right? So your body has two options with the cholesterol molecule. It can either make cortisol or it can make progesterone. So cortisol will affect all of those systems, including insulin as well, and your blood sugar control, increased cravings. There's lots of studies showing that you know high cortisol levels increase energy-dense food cravings. So again, why that neuroplasticity piece has to be foundational because you have to get your cravings in check and get those hunger and fullness cues to be healthy and not out of control. Did I answer your question? No, it sounds great. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think there's a couple of questions that come to mind. It is someone might be wondering like, well, how do I know what my problem is? You know, mm-hmm. um, is my cortisol high? Is my progesterone low? Is my estrogen high? What would you say to a woman who's like, I think my hormones are wonky. I think yeah. that's my issue. Like, what would you say to that mm-hmm. woman? Yeah. So, you know, I believe in testing in that regard to really get to the root of it. I've been in practice for five years. And at this point, I feel like just by you telling me your symptoms, I can probably point to what's off balance. But testing is always a really good place to start. And even just standard blood work, you know, looking at your A1C, looking at your blood sugar, looking at your CRP and inflammation, you know, those things are foundational for your sex hormones. So looking into that first, it's really affordable. I mean, nowadays you can order labs on your own through many websites. You don't necessarily have to go through your doctor, although I recommend it. But yeah, just looking at your inflammation, your blood sugar, because those are the things that are going to drive your sex hormones first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at vitamin D status, we haven't even talked about vitamin D and how that plays into metabolism as well and blood sugar and everything else. And then there's also the Dutch test. You know, I love using the Dutch test. I find it to be the most thorough evaluation of hormones that you can get. It is a little bit more expensive. So you might want to start with just some standard blood work to look at those things. But I don't know about you, but I am obsessed with the Dutch test. I find it to be incredibly valuable to get to the root of symptoms because sometimes, you know, I'll be thrown a curveball where the symptoms are showing me one thing and then testing will be completely different, mm-hmm. right? Like I've had clients that say, well, I've been diagnosed with PCOS and I've had PCOS for years. And then we do a Dutch test and it's showing the complete opposite of low DHEA and low testosterone. So, you know, testing is always really valuable. Yeah. It's an inexpensive test for how much you get back from it. It's just timing. It is the, um, is a bit of a slower piece of timing around their cycle. So you brought up vitamin D Mm -hmm. and it's importance in metabolism. So speak to that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been studies showing that women with optimal vitamin D levels lost seven more pounds in a year, which is really, really significant. 
And, you know, vitamin D status affects your insulin response. So your cell's ability to react to the insulin and take up glucose. So really, really important for that, but also important for, you know, serotonin production and helping with that emotional eating piece, right? If your vitamin D status is low and your serotonin is low because of that, it plays an integral part in creating serotonin, then you're going to be more likely to binge eat, overeat, crave sweets, you know, crave salty foods, all those things that give us that kind of serotonin dopamine pickup. So yeah, it's it's super foundational. And, you know, I tell my clients like get out in the sun because it's not just about vitamin D when it comes to sun exposure, it releases so many hormones that affect, you know, how you feel, your sex hormones, your insulin, your inflammation, all of that, mm-hmm. right? So I think we have this misconception that sun exposure is just about vitamin D and it's not. I mean, there's so many other hormones that are, you know, released when your skin's exposed to UV. Yeah. Um, and there was, a, there was a WHO study that came out. My statistics are going to be so wrong. Like they basically calculated dailies, which is basically like disability risk for a population. And the sun exposure or too much sun exposure was like 0.01%. And then not getting enough sun was like 98%, right? So most people are not getting enough sunlight. The issues with getting too much sunlight, obviously they exist and they are a thing that we have to talk about, but their risks are so much lower than not getting enough. Yeah. Right. Indoor culture. Yeah, for sure. And I'm in a blue zone right now. And, you know, a blue zone is essentially where a high percentage of people live to be over a hundred. And it's got me thinking, okay, so what do these blue zones have in common? And one of them is people are outside a lot, right? They're coastal towns, they're by water and they're moving around a lot too. But the sun is like nature's vitamin, you know, that Mm -hmm. And people in this town are not, you know, doing functional medicine testing or taking a bunch of supplements, right? We Sometimes we have that to you're kind in Costa Rica. of. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, I'm in Costa Rica. I'm on what is the peninsula, Nicoya Peninsula, and it's a blue zone. And again, it got me thinking because they eat a lot of carbohydrate. They eat a lot of beans, plantains, things like that. I'm getting outside in the sun. They're moving throughout the day. They're not, you know, sitting at a desk all day. So getting back to those foundational aspects can be really helpful for hormone healing, right? Mm. I mean, if you're just getting outside and eating whole real foods, that alone can have a huge shift. But also, they're probably not as stressed out as we are in America. And to me, that's one of the biggest drivers for emotional eating, for hormone imbalance, right? I mean, that's, to me, like one of the most important aspects to this whole epidemic of hormone issues. Yeah, is well, the fact that we're chronically stressed. You've seen, you know, what can happen when people are working on our neuroplasticity. So on that note, we talked about what neuroplasticity does. You gave us one story. If you have another story to throw in there that you'd love to share, yeah. that'd be cool. But someone might be saying, okay, cool. Like neuroplasticity, the autopilot, like how do I start to rewire that? So one of my favorite ways is through body scanning. And it's essentially paying attention to your proprioception or feelings of touch throughout your body. So this instantly will shift you out of sympathetic to parasympathetic very quickly. So in my program, I walk people through like a 10-minute body scan. You can find body scans all over the place. It's also known as Yoga Nidra. Mm -hmm. And you can find like YouTube videos on Yoga Nidra. Very simple. And it's a quick way to just shift 
your nervous system. And this has been used for thousands of years by Zen Buddhist masters, right? As that's how they meditate for the most part, is just focusing on feelings of touch or focusing on the breath, focusing on your inhale, focusing on a sound. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways to just direct your focus. But I find the proprioception to be the easiest for most people. So that's one thing. Another thing is just deep breathing. I mean, just taking five deep breaths throughout the day and noticing, you know, when you might be a little bit stressed, just focus on your breath. That will, again, just instantly turn on your parasympathetic. And then there's different forms of meditation and things like that. Thought reframing, like being able to notice your... I talk about the monkey mind a lot in my program because the monkey mind is running the show for most people, right? Most people are judging themselves way too harshly lacking self-compassion and their monkey mind is telling them they're not good enough or that, you know, they're a failure or that because they ate that cookie, then, you know, it doesn't, none of this matters anymore. Right. So we have to constantly challenge those thoughts and that monkey mind to be able to switch on to that parasympathetic too, and to start to rewire those more positive pathways in your brain. And then gratitude is another one. Do you have a gratitude practice? That's like a fun question, Casey. Thanks for asking me that. And my gratitude practice, usually when I I have like an, a journal at the end of the evening, I'm like laughing on the inside. Sorry, because um, <laughs> I'll be like doing great for a while, and then I'll just like fall off the the bandwagon. Yeah, I think that it everyone happens. does that. Yes, but I have this favorite one that I've stuck with. It's called the examine journal. And it's essentially, it's not just like reviewing your day. My daughter who is wise beyond her years, she helped me walk through this the first time. It's actually from a saint, like where they say like, go through your day, but you actually verbally go through the day. Like, okay, I woke up and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And it helps you kind of take a category like a a catalog of the day and like what went well, what didn't go well, and like also gratitude. And that has been kind of one of my favorite things to look for because sometimes some of the other gratitude journals and prompts that I've used kind of made me look for like fluffy things. And if I actually went through that mental inventory of like this happened and this happened and this happened, it allows me to like actually be quite a bit more honest with myself, which is the Mm. challenge sometimes when we're doing these activities is like, how am I going to be honest with myself? And all I want to say in addition, before you jump back in here is that it's a matter of taking time for assessment. And so like, if we don't take time for assessment, we don't really know how we're doing. We're just bulldozing. Right. And so that was, that's just my like stopping point there is that gratitude practice. Okay. So like when, when you asked me that you caught me off guard and then I realized, okay, the examine is really like a gratitude practice. It's a much self-awareness practice where you kind of look at like what went well, what didn't go well, what would I want to change? And what am I thankful for essentially? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a neuroplasticity practice, right? I mean, it's really just devoting a certain amount of time every day. So with my clients, I have them create their 15-minute neuroplasticity practice and they can choose from a bunch of different tools, but it has to become a daily practice. And then moving that even, you know, like we say in yoga, like off the mat or off the meditation, it's like doing it throughout your day, not just when you're in meditation. So body scanning, when you're in line at the airport, when you're a little bit more stressed, right? Like diverting your monkey mind away from, oh, I'm stressed and kind of that fight or flight to, oh, my feet are touching the ground. I can feel my feet on the ground. 
And, you know, a lot of these Zen masters, they do body scanning throughout the day or they focus on their inhale. I forget who the Zen master is. I follow. I love his YouTube. I'll have to share it with you after the call. Um, but he, he says, you know, find joy in the here and now in your in-breath. Like you can find joy in just your in-breath, right? It doesn't have to be complicated. And you can shift your nervous system so quickly by doing that for just a few minutes a day, right? Mm -hmm. Just focusing on your inhale and finding joy in that, right? Like, oh, I can inhale. How beautiful, how miraculous that my body can do this, right? Mm -hmm. And this oxygen is feeding all the cells in my body. I know it gets a little woo-woo, but I don't, I try not to get too woo-woo, but I am a yoga teacher and sometimes it comes out. But I, you know, it's so valuable to have that daily practice of checking in and kind of seeing where you are. Because I think as Americans and in American culture, we do live in this kind of push through environment of you just push through. Oh, you feel bad. You just push through instead of what is my body trying to tell me? I mean, symptoms are messengers, right? And it's up to us to decipher the code and to figure out what it's actually trying to tell us. Right. And I love it too. I mean, it's so fun to talk about because it's it is in essence how you heal, right? To be able to listen in. Your body doesn't speak English. And the only way it can speak to you is through symptoms. And the only way to listen to it is through taking time and space to be with yourself mm-hmm. and to tune into what those messages are. I love that so much. I was actually going to ask you if you were a yoga teacher. You're telling me about mm-hmm. one of the reasons you're in Costa Rica now is because you'd gone to a yoga, not a conference, but like, mm-hmm. you know, a yoga retreat, of course, uh, yep. in that area. So, Yep. That's yep. so yeah. beautiful. That was a great way to, oh. that was a good, that was a good like <laughs> summary is that your body doesn't speak English. The only way to, it can speak to you is through symptoms. And the only way you can listen to it is to like take an assessment and try to listen to it and give it the space to hear it. So it was yeah, a beautiful, yeah. and then finding joy in your in breath, like find joy in the here and now and the in breath. Mm-hmm. So as a beautiful, yeah. like comforting way to talk about hormones and weight loss. Casey, thank you so much. (laughs) I know it goes so much deeper than calories. You know what I mean? It's a spiritual journey because Mm -hmm. you're going to have to confront a lot of uncomfortable feelings and thoughts along the journey. And if you don't have the toolkit, yeah, you can lose weight, but it's not going to stay off. Mm -hmm. You have to have those skills to be able to approach those difficult feelings and those difficult emotions that are going to happen to everybody that's on any kind of health journey, right? Mm-hmm. So it's skill building. I think sometimes when we hear mm-hmm. these things that we hear, oh, I can do that myself. I think sometimes we don't take it and use those, right? We don't harness. Mm-hmm. The issue is that we're not harnessing those tools that we do have, those tools that we can do for free. And so that's kind of the way to say it is like, these are skills we can build or tools we can use that we need to kind of like make tangible and put into practice. Yeah. It's all about the daily practice. Just 15 minutes a day can completely change your hormones. I love it. Casey, where Mm -hmm. can people find you online? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at hormone.weightloss and on TikTok as hormone.weightloss. And you can find me also at www. I can't believe I even said that. CaseyFarlow.com is my website. And yeah, I have a YouTube as well. You can check me out there. Thank you so much, Krista. This has been an honor and a pleasure. And it was so much fun. Thanks so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Have a good one. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's 
reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.